So, um, Love of Money Part 2. Love of Money Part 2. And I don't know who's listening to that podcast, but there's a lot of people listening to the podcast from all over the place. Sometimes I'll sit there and, and nothing's happening. The next thing you know, like, boom. You know, I don't know what goes on. So, what a blessing that is. I don't even know who the people are. I have no clue. I know a lot's in the United States. We got some in Germany. <laughs> We got so many in Japan and, and, and all different types of places. People are listening uh, to the word. So we just keep doing what we're doing. We don't need to know who's doing what. We just do what the Lord tells us to do and we keep it moving. Amen. Amen. Really a very, very important word this morning. Um, we're going to go back to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, uh Looking at verse six again, we're just going to read just a couple of little different things. And then we're, you know, like we do, we got to search the scriptures. All right. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with it. Ain't nothing wrong with it at all. And I pray that you search the scriptures. We got to try to search from Genesis to Revelation to try to really get a good thought of what God is trying to say, you know. And uh, so help me this morning. Pray for me this morning that we would get this thing rolling. Right. So it reads it here in verse six. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Um, it says, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, uh, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, uh, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto you are all are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. Very powerful statement by the Apostle Paul. Very, very powerful statement. One thing I love about Paul is Paul, uh, even though these are letters to the churches, I don't think he ever intended them to be scripture, uh, but we call them scripture because we get an opportunity to understand what an apostle thought at that time. But Paul here, when he talks to Timothy, he says, Timothy, you know the scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. He was never talking about the letters. OK, he was the scriptures are Genesis to Malachi. All right. Uh, so today you have to have that mindset. And sometimes we have to go back and find out what he's talking about. Because Paul starts to talk about some things. He's a great student of scripture and I, and I really love it. Uh, but my sister had said something so profound the other day. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this to y'all the last time I saw y'all or not, but my one sister, of course, you know, she got blessed and things like that with some money. So, you know, me just walking by, I said, don't forget the tithe. <laughs> you know, and everybody started laughing, you know, say, okay, preacher, man, you know, <laughs> you need to tithe on that money and stop playing. So, uh, you know, we all laughed at things about that. Well, you know, my sister Lonnie, you know, it, I guess she began to think about all that, you know? Because she was the one talking to Ruth on the phone. And, and uh, Ruth was like, I got you, brother. You know, you know I'm going to tithe. You know, I said, go on, sister. You know? <laughs> and, uh, but Lonnie began to contemplate this thing in her heart. And she began to think about it. And I didn't ask her about it. So a couple of days later, 
uh, Monty walks up and she says, you know what? I thought about this thing called tithing. So we're all sitting there waiting to hear this profound statement. <laughs> or, you know, most people be talking about that's a bunch of nonsense or something like that. But she came out with something that I knew only God could have told her. And she came out and she said, I asked the Lord about it and I read up on it and I prayed about it. And she said, the Lord told me that it takes faith to tithe. And I sat there and I was like, I know she was with Jesus. <laughs> Sometimes people say some things to you. They ain't going to church. Maybe they're not studying the way we study. Maybe they're not praying the way we're praying. But he's still everybody's God, ain't he? Ain't he everybody's God? Can he meet you on a Damascus road? <laughs> he didn't meet Paul in church, did he? Met him on a Damascus road. When Jesus was moving around, he saw people fishing, met him on a fishing boat. And they got the epiphany of who he is and they left everything and they followed after him. I'm telling you, man, the just live their life by faith. Do you know that? Today, we have to live our life by faith. It talks about it here in verse 11. He says, but you, man of God or woman of God, flee these things. He's talking about coveting. You know how we covet things. Money. Just want to get our hands on it. Just think it's going to be the end all be all. It becomes a God to us. And it robs us of life. It robs us of the moment. And when it's, listen, when, when, when lust has conceived, it brings forth what? Sin. And in the end, when you look at your bank account and you look at your purse and you look at your wallet and you look at what you bought. Happens every year sometimes to us. Happens every week when we get that paycheck. It happens every two weeks. Happens every third Wednesday. <laughs> happens on the first and the third. It's not the way things are supposed to be. Paul says in verse 12, he says, fight, fight. Y'all know how to fight. Y'all know how to throw hands, right? All right. Fight the good fight of faith. That's what he said. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Stop fighting other people. And things and fight to have some faith. Lay hold on eternal life where you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. You know, how we tell people, God, who is first in my life? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm telling you right now, sometimes God is not first in our life. Mm -hmm. And God sometimes wasn't first in Israel's life. So we have to prove that this morning. So we jump over to Malachi chapter 3. Nobody likes going over there. Sometimes we don't like going over there. I know Israel didn't feel like hearing it. But Malachi wrote it. We don't want to talk about some things, the Lord. Like, well, why are you bringing up old stuff? And the Lord is like, let's just talk about it this morning. Because we're in the season to be jolly, ain't we? <laughs> And they have little different sayings for different groups of people like you ghetto rich. You know, that means that, you know, ghetto rich is like you might be you might have some money for two days and then it's gone. You know that it happens to everybody. It's not uh, a certain nation, certain group of people. Sometimes we just don't have control over ourselves, or sometimes the Bible says because we're not honoring God, 
or we're not living our life by faith. We're not trusting in God. We're not following him. We're not reading the word. We ain't doing nothing. We profess to be, you know, believers. But when you really put us under the microscope, we very seldom pray. We very seldom pick up our Bible. Our Bible becomes, um, you know, um, a little statue or a little something sitting on a bookshelf or thrown in the back seat. It's not used. But if you talk to us, we profess to everybody. That this book of the law, what, should not depart out of our mouth. But we should meditate in it day and night. Then we'll make our way prosperous and then we'll have great success. So we know what the word says, but when it comes to putting it in action, our Bibles are someplace else. And Paul says, I know what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. But actions, what, speak louder than words. So just like the young people were saying this morning, and I thought it was really good. They said, yo, man, you know, you need to talk about this thing. We need to pray about this thing and we need to apply the word of God to it because God's word is what a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So Paul says, when you start talking about faith, fighting a good fight of faith, faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing how by the word of God. How can you hear without a preacher? Faith is something that's produced. I think it's uh, Luke chapter 17. Talk, Jesus starts to talk to him and says, if you had faith, you could say to this sycamine tree to be plucked up and planted in the sea, but you don't. So he says, you know what? He starts to talk to them about being consistent at something. Prayer comes through being consistent at something. Prayer comes through like, you know, we pray without what? Ceasing. Pray day and night. The word says he tells us to meditate day and night on his word. But the enemy has made television. The enemy has made uh, drugs. The enemy has made alcohol. The enemy has made pornography. The enemy has made all these different things to detain us from studying God's word. Because the word says that if we continue in his word, then we'll know the truth. And the truth has set us free. So God starts to talk to his people in, in, in the book of Malachi. And he says here in three and six, he says, for I am the Lord. I change not. Therefore, that's why you sons of Jacob are not consumed. He says, I don't change. I don't change at all. And because you call me your God. Because, Abraham, you believe God and it was accounted to you as righteous, then I'm going to take care of everybody that believes just like you. That's why you're not consumed, he says. He says, that's why, man, I'm not cutting heads off. We know that God's a killer because he did it before, you know, when the flood came. He had no problem getting rid of folks that didn't want to do what he said. His ordinances and things like that, they didn't want to do it. He said, you know what? I got eight people. The rest gone. Numbers chapter 11. The people of God started complaining about God and about the situation they found themselves in and how they didn't get the right food. And, you know, all things weren't going right. Next thing you know, there was a fire in the back of the camp and God started to kill people. And Moses had to pray to stop God from killing people. God says, I'm the Lord thy God. I change him not. David lost faith. Maybe David, you know, it talks about how he wanted to number the people because he thought it was about the number of the people. And it wasn't by faith. So God said, I'm killing somebody today, 
But he didn't consume David because David had a relationship with him. And David loved God's people. You know, David, even if you talked foul to David like Saul, that even though you threw a javelin at David like Saul did, David said, touch not God's anointed. He had such a love for God's people. So God will hit you where it's hurt. You know what? He'll start killing his own people. He started killing his own people because of the decision that King David made. All right. He's the Lord our God. He changes not. So now today people say God just loves a cheerful giver. It's not about how much you give. Are you happy when you give? But right here we see he's the Lord our God. He changes not. Even from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept returned unto me. And I will return unto you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, wherein shall we return like you ain't doing nothing? Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, wherein have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me. This whole nation. Bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there should not be room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You all know who the devourer is. He comes every week. He comes every two weeks. He comes every third Wednesday, second, uh, second Tuesday of the month, second Wednesday of the month. <laughs> you know what I'm he comes on the first and the third. He shows up all the time. And the money that you have, it's already spent before it hits your head. The devil's working on you. He's working on you by his faith. Even though you don't have the money, the devil says, I'm going to make sure that when they, even before they get the money, that they're already spending it on stuff that makes no sense. I'm going to keep them in Egypt. Let my people go. Pharaoh says, I ain't letting none of y'all go. I'm going to rob you every chance you get. He comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So when you start to look at the money that you, uh, how you're spending your money, you find out you're spending it on garbage. That's Satan telling you, you ain't going nowhere. You'll never come up because we place ourselves in the devil's hand when we don't live our life based on faith. When we don't do what God is asking us to do, looking at his principles, his precepts and his concepts, we place ourselves in that position. The Lord said you did it. God says that you did it. And I don't care you know, what you think or anything. God said that's, that's your problem. That's my problem. It was David's problem. David did it. All right. David did it. David knew he did it. He said, Lord, don't 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 do it, Lord. The Lord's like, no, I'm doing it because you did it. You lost faith and I'm going to make it happen. But he says, and I shall uh, rebuke the devourer. So the fruits of your ground will be there. Your, your vine won't cast its fruit before time, says the Lord. And all nations shall call you blessed for you shall be a del- uh, delightful land. You know, people will look around and say that person is blessed. It doesn't mean that you have a mansion. It doesn't mean that you drive the fanciest car. To be blessed, man, I tell you right now, number one is to be in right standing with God. Your car ain't breaking down. Every week the battery ain't running low. You know, every time you turn around, you ain't got to fix the, uh, the, the water heater. Like nothing's really going on in your life. Like everything seems to be working fine. You're driving a 1986 Cadillac, and it just seems to run fine. It never breaks down. You just got to change the oil and everything. Everything just seems to be right. Your kids is doing all right. You ain't, ain't got to have the latest sneaks on, but yours ain't wearing out. Learn to be content with what you have. So Paul starts to talk about this faith 
That is so precious and so important that you and I read the word of God, just like you guys were talking about in Sunday school, and we begin to apply the word of God to our life. Now, there's a lot of ordinances in here. There's a lot of commandments. There's a lot of precepts and there's a lot of statutes. A lot of the churches preach about this because, you know, churches sometimes want the money. I don't give two cents what they want. God said, just follow the ordinance. Stop worrying about where the money's going. If you're in a church and y'all are listening on the podcast, go do what the Lord asks you to do. All right? Just do what he asks you to do by faith. What happens to that money when it leaves your hand? That's on that man. Uh, and nowadays, on that woman. All right? That's on them. It ain't on you. Uh, let's turn to Habakkuk 2 and 4. If we can find it. It's one of those little books that just be around here floating around and stuff. You just got to try to Make your way to it. You know what I'm saying? You got to try to get a hold of it. Yeah. It's not too far from Malachi. Okay. You see Nahum, you know it's, it's you got to go back. And Paul quotes this. We're going to see, we're going to read it here. And then we're going to roll over and we're going to see what Paul has to say. But the tithe is just a tenth of what you make. That's all that it is. It ain't that serious, but I'm telling you right now, if you got a dollar, 10 cents doesn't seem that serious, does it? If you got $10 and you give somebody a dollar, it don't seem that serious, does it? But man, when you start getting $500, you got to give away 50. It starts to get serious, don't it? When you get $1,000 and you got to part with that $100, it starts to get serious, doesn't it? When you get $2,000 and you got to give the Lord 200, it starts to get serious, doesn't it? When you get $5,000 or whatnot, you got to give the Lord $500. It starts to get real serious, doesn't it? When you get $100,000, you got to give away $10,000 to the Lord. All of a sudden, things get, start to get so serious. But when you didn't have nothing, it wasn't that serious. It's not temptation until it's something that you want, something that you desire, something that you covet. And sometimes we covet those things that belong to God. Amen? Amen. And if you can't find it, don't worry about it. Just listen. Faith cometh by hearing. Sometimes I can't find things. And I've been in a book for a while. I have to go back to the index. You know, you don't want to have folks see you go back to the index. But sometimes, man, just drop the pride and raise the worship. Go back to the index and say, hey, is that over here or is it over there? Sometimes we get lost. Ain't nothing wrong with it. I know. It's hard to find. It's not too far after Malachi. Those little pages are stuck together because those are places that we don't go. When you don't go to those places, they're hard to find. Amen. So don't be turning your pages long because people are like, they don't even, they don't even read that. <laughs> don't listen to people. Y'all keep doing what you know. But anyway, Paul quotes this wonderful scripture. He quotes the same scripture that my sister, she don't even know where Habakkuk is at in the Bible. Probably never read Habakkuk. But she came out of her mouth after she was studying, spending time with God. She didn't come to us until she was studying or nothing like that. She just said, you know what? I was back there and me and God were having a one-on-one and God told me that... <laughs> It takes faith to tithe. It takes faith to do everything in Scripture. Do you know that? And Paul says, fight to lay hold on that faith, don't it? Because it's a fight. I'm telling you, that's what the devil wants to take from us. And the disciples in Luke 17, and as long as I've been walking with the Lord, I never prayed for him to increase my faith. I just believed that I had it. But lately, spending time in prayer with him, I realized that, I need faith. Habakkuk 2 and 4, it says, uh, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just 
shall live by faith. That little verse of scripture, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. That little, little verse right there, the apostle Paul, and I want to say Hebrews chapter 11, but we'll back up in the 10 a little bit. Apostle Paul pulls this little bitty verse out of Habakkuk to begin to talk about one of the greatest chapters uh, in the Bible, which is Hebrews chapter 11. He goes to Habakkuk 2 and 4 and he pulls it out and he says, all those that have been justified or those of us today that are justified by the blood of the lamb, we live our life by faith. Do you hear me? So in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 38, just a couple of scriptures up from Hebrews chapter 11, the apostle Paul quotes Habakkuk 2 and 4. We know Paul was studying scriptures. He told Timothy, he says, you know the scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation. He wasn't talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wasn't talking about anything that he wrote. He wasn't talking about anything that Peter wrote, nor John, nor Jude. All right. He was talking about Genesis to Malachi. I'm here to tell you that today. And he says here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 30, it says, now the just shall live by faith. You hear that? The just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. Ooh-wee. The soul is a whole nother different thing. You hear me? You got your mind, you got your spirit, then you got that soul. That soul, like I tell people, you don't know you have a soul until your dad or your mom passes away. Or your heart is so broken that in your mind, you're like, you could intellectually begin to explain that it's well with my soul. I know my parents are saved and they've gone on to be with the Lord. But something inside your soul longs to be with them. And even though I'm talking with you, tears are falling down my face. So now you realize what's going on inside my soul. You hear what I'm saying? The soul will reveal what's going on inside you. You can sit there all day long and talk a good game, but people can look at you and see that you're hurt. You know that? That's the only way I can describe it to you. One day you will get there and in your mind it's going to be well, but with your soul, your soul will be like, I'm broken. You want a casket dive. Your mind is like, no, we don't casket dive. <laughs> we live our life by faith. Some people's soul just goes crazy. <laughs> so Paul says right here in Habakkuk 2 and 4 that the just shall live by faith. And you know what? He takes that little scripture and he begins to expound to you and I. We're talking about tithing today and offerings. But you can use this in any aspect of your life. He says, Fight to take hold of faith. You know, you fight for all this other stuff. He said, won't you fight to have faith? Won't you fight? Won't you stop doing what you're doing and spend time with God and read his word and pray? That's fighting. This is how we fight our battles. It ain't with these. Sometimes these these feel good, but they they, they satisfy your flesh. But when you start, listen, When you begin to set your face to the wall like Hezekiah did, that means that you set your face to the wall. You're not 
calling your best friend. You ain't calling mama and them to pray with you. It, you you're, you're taking your eyes off the world. When Hezekiah put his face to the wall, he was like, I need to just talk to my God. And he put his face to the wall and began to cry out to God. And before the prophet got down the steps, the Lord told the prophet to go back and tell Hezekiah, I'm giving him 15 more years. That's what it's like. He says, when you search for me, you search for me with your whole heart. When you give up looking at everything, most of the time we pick the phone up and we want to reach out to somebody. Remember Mom Bell used to tell you to reach out, mm-hmm. call somebody. Diana Ross used to sing that song, reach out and touch. Nah, it ain't about that. Faith. Listen to what, listen to what he talks about. Listen to how Paul begins to explain Habakkuk 2 and 4. It says, now faith. Is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Going back, what is he going? We're going back to 1 Timothy chapter 6. They fought the good fight to obtain faith. It's not just something laying around. It takes some work in our life. It takes us spending time with God. Each and every single one of these men and women spent time with God. Do you hear me? Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The worlds were framed by the very word of God that we neglect and throw in the back seat. Or when we get home, we sit our coffee on it. Amen. Amen. It means nothing. Children are playing with it. They're probably playing hockey with the Bible. You know, we're like, really? What are you doing? That's my Bible. That's my word. So that things which are seen. We're not made of things which do appear. Amen. And you could keep on reading that. But he takes Habakkuk 2 and 4 and he begins to lay out Hebrews chapter 11 for you. He begins to expound on that little scripture in Habakkuk, the place where very few people can find. Where is Habakkuk at? <laughs> is it near Genesis? People ask you. <laughs> is it near Psalms? They can't find it. But he found it. And he expounded on it. To you and me. Let's turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. Amen. Amen. Tithing is, how do we explain it? How do we explain tithing and faith? Because I'll tell you right now, it was profound what came out of my sister's mouth. I had to give her that for that. Sometimes the things that you guys are saying during Sunday school, it blesses my heart. You know me, the tears are beginning to fill in my eyes. Because of the love and respect that I have for y'all. And we've been together for some years in here. You know what I'm saying? Praying together. Studying together. You know what I'm saying? Trying to do what we do. Praying for our families. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They come through every now and then. Then they leave. They're like a ship in the night. <laughs> Amen. We'll see them and then we won't. All right. We see the light off in the horizon and think they come in. The next thing you know, it's gone. All right. Amen. But you know what? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. For by it, we're talking about fighting to lay hold on faith. And faith, I tell you, comes by hearing. We get in our word and we read our word and we pray and we seek God's face. But it takes us to give up something, give up the cell phone, give up the television. I'm not talking about the whole day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about stealing away some time with God. And allowing God to minister to our hearts. All right? Everything, like all television ain't bad. All music ain't bad. All right? But disciplining ourselves. 
disciplining ourselves to spend some time with the Lord is, is what we need to do. I don't want to sit there and just try to tell you that you've got to live like you in a uh, six-by-six cell locked up. That's, that's not how it's going to work, okay? But you have to understand that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You have to believe that's what Jesus told the devil. And if God is telling the devil that, what are you telling the devil? Okay, I don't see nothing wrong. No, devil, <laughs> is a problem. All right? So when we look at 1 Kings chapter 17, there's this little story, or a matter of fact, the testimony of a, of a prophet named Elijah. And there's a woman who is, um, man, she's struggling. It's, it's, it's almost a wrap for her. And she begins to tell us, we've all read this story before. She said, you know what, man, I'm on my last leg. It's about a wrap. You know what I'm saying? And uh, me and my son, we're just preparing to die. Let's read a little bit of it. Uh, it says here, and the word, ain't that something how, the, I love, I love uh, these scriptures because it tells us about the word of God. And the word of the Lord came unto him saying, arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So whatever is going on before the man of God gets there, God has already prepared her heart. You know, how he tells us that the harvest is already white, but the laborers are few. He has already prepared this woman. Does she know he's coming? But I guarantee you right now, God has prepared her heart. How do we know that God has prepared her heart? Well, let's move on a little bit further, okay? So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. Ain't that ironic? By the time he arrives there, out of all the time he could have get there, them little steps he's taking, we don't know how fast he was walking, <laughs> but his little steps got him there right on time, didn't he? He's an on-time God. Didn't we sing that song? Yes, he is. How do you know that by the time you get to Pittsburgh, that the person that the Lord told you, all right, to go see is sitting there on the side of the road picking up sticks? I'm telling you, this is what happened to Elijah. Elijah said, I can't make this stuff up. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. Let's stop right there for a second. Woo-wee! It takes faith to tithe. It takes faith to bring offerings. Right here, God has prepared this woman's heart. He says, my sheep, what? Hear my voice. So when the Lord of God is speaking or somebody's preaching or you're at home reading your word, there's sometimes you have to just stop and read it again because it does something to your soul or it ignites some type of faith in you where you say, I'm going to do that. Something happened to this woman and her heart was prepared for the time that Elijah got there. Because when he told her, he said, yo, give me some water too. And then he tells her, he says, hey man, go fix such and such and give me a morsel. Oh, you know what a morsel is? You, you ever have something, man, that you're eating on and, and your homeboy come up? Or maybe, like, maybe a brother or sister, we were kids, you know. We would get some, uh, what is that, Laffy Taffy. You remember Laffy Taffy? Yeah. I used to love Laffy Taffy. Now, if I was coveting Laffy Taffy and you come up talking about, yo, man, break me off a little bit of that Laffy Taffy, baby. I'm like, ain't nobody giving you none of my Laffy Taffy, Pippin? 
man, just give me a, a morsel. Just give me a little piece. Just give me the string that's hanging. I ain't giving you nothing. But if you know, we was really tight. My mother used to say, don't you eat in front of nobody's face. Give him a piece. Give him a piece. A morsel is a piece. If you got a loaf of bread, you know how many slices are on a loaf of bread? I just take one piece out of the loaf of bread and I give it to you. That's what he's asking for. He ain't asking for the whole bread. <clears throat> Look, Elijah ain't asking for everything. He said, hey, you know what I'm saying? Go ahead and do that meal and everything. And then uh, just give me one slice out of the whole loaf of bread. I see you got the king size now and later. <laughs> I don't, I, can I just get one? Because I saw you got grape. But you're like, ooh, you know, grape is my favorite. I was asking for one, Pippin. All I'm asking for is one. So you, all right, I'll give you one. But that's all you get. And you give them that one. You know, you got ten dollars. You know what I'm saying? And your partner's like, yo, Pippin, let me just get one dollar. You're like, fool, is you crazy? And he's like, I can't get a dollar? Ooh, you're just going to get one. You're just going to get a morsel. You're just going to get the tithe. It's when we get to a place in our life where we covet everything we have. And we don't want to give nobody nothing. Let alone our creator. Our creator said, hey, man, I've given you everything. I've given you life. You know that? I feed you every day. I feed you every day. I gave you that job. I gave you the money. Break me off a morsel of what I gave you. Ooh. Lord, you own everything. Jeez. You want to take my last? That's my. You ain't even start eating it yet, Mark. That's my last. That's the last part I was going to eat is the part you want. He prepared her heart, and I pray that he's preparing our heart this morning, that when he walks up and he says, hey, Mark, what you eating? I'm like, oh, man, I got a Big Mac. I got some hot fries here, a little soda, a little apple pie. He says, yo, man, can I just get one fry? Ooh. (laughs) I may be like, you know what, Lord? Not only can you get one. Yo, I'm going to take this box because you've been so good to me. And I'm going to... Re- no, Mark, I don't need all that. No, Lord, nah. You ever have a friend? You ever have somebody that you really love, that you really care about? You got to have somebody. Some of y'all got somebody that you care about. If somebody cares about you. You may not care about people, but somebody cares about you. I've had people in my life that cared about me. That when they were eating something, you know, a cheese steak from Gatano's. I know you never had one. But man, when that person, you say, yo, man, baby, they say, did you eat? And I say, nah. And they say, you know, they take it and cut it in half. Then they go get a cup. And you know they love this meal. And they pour half and they make sure that it's just right. And they give you half. And you're like, man, all I need is a piece. Just break me off, you know what I'm saying, the hard spot on the back of that subway road. Just give me the hard spot and just a little piece of the cheese, just a little taste. I don't need all that. And they're like, nah, man, I love you. And they split it down and, and, you know, you're like, brother, you know what, man? You can't do nothing but give them worship. You can't do nothing but give them praise and say, man, you stick closer than a brother. You give them a hug. You give them some dap and say, yo, man, I'm telling you, man, I know I ain't been blessing you. I know I ain't been calling you. You know that money I owe you from back in 1986, man? 
I'm getting my income tax. I'm getting about 16 grand. I'm going to take care of you. They never see you again, though. <laughs> so he tells this woman right here, we're talking about tithes and offerings. We're talking about everything that God has done for us. Okay? This woman, he prepared her heart because she's doing this out of the goodness of her heart. What is in our heart today? Because when it comes to us doing the principles that God has asked us to do, like honoring our father, father and mother, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and thy mind and thy soul, and likewise love thy neighbor as thyself. What is in our heart that we just can't give a morsel of it? He's not asking us to give everything. He says just love the neighbor. He's not asking about the person across town. He said the person that lives right next door to you, the person that parks right next to you, the person that you got to come out and see. I mean, I'm just asking you to love that person. I'm not asking you to love the world. I ain't asking you to love nobody in China. I'm just asking you to break this little bit of morsel off and give it to me. And this woman by faith, look, she tells you, I'm not even going to finish this thing. She says, you know what? I'm preparing a meal for me and my son and we are going to die. That's the reality that she was living in. And sometimes we look at the reality that we're living in and said, it's impossible for me to tithe to you right now. I don't have nothing. I got bills and the kids and these sneaks. And all. I, I, Lord, I can't tithe. I'm giving you everything that I have. I at least tell you that I love you, don't you? The God says, no, I need you to give me one slice out of the whole loaf. Amen. And sometimes we use our logic and our reasoning and because he's the lamb that takes away the sin of the world, Lord, I, I can't. And God says, okay, but I'm the Lord thy God. I change if not. Because you refuse to forgive, then I can't forgive you. Because you live your life coveting after things in this world, then you know what? You're going to be just like these people in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's swing back over there again. Because you love the world so much, sometimes we love the world a little too much. Lot's wife loved Sodom and Gomorrah. How can you love Sodom and Gomorrah? Well, take a look today. Because if money is coming into your hand and you can't break off a morsel to give to God, oh well. Verse 9 says, But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. Faith to move mountains. Faith to say to this tree to be plucked up. And cast in the sea. David lost his faith. And David testifies that that was a dark day in his life. 
Somebody wrote it. David's like, why you always got to write the bad things I did? Can't you just write about the good things I did like Goliath and other? No, they wrote things to you and I that happened to David's life so that you and I will not commit the same thing. Don't tell everybody about the good I did. Tell them about where I went wrong. Tell them where I I erred from God's word. Tell them about when I didn't have faith. Tell them about when I was manipulating the situation because I wanted it to work out for my good. David manipulated the situation with Uriah so nobody would know about his sin. Tell them about when I lied so that they won't lie. You ever do that? If I'm a little further down the road, I call back and say, hey, cut off on 67 and ride that for 10 miles so you can avoid the traffic jam that sometimes happens in our life. And they pierce themselves through with many sorrows, all because we refuse. We refuse to do what God is asking us to to do it. It's not just in tithing. It's in other aspects of our life because the just live their life by faith. If the Lord tells you to do something, I'm doing it because of the relationship and because of the love and the respect that I have for my God. That woman said, I'm going to do this. But afterwards, me and my son are going to go eat and we're going to die. Listen, even To the point of death, she was obedient to her God. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. And she did. She opened it up and broke him off a piece of the Kit Kat bar. And she left and she ate it with her son. And every time she kept, it kept being more Kit Kats. It kept being more Kit Kats. It kept, next thing you know, they saw a Kit Kat over there laying over there. They said, where is all this Kit Kat coming from? Because the just lived their life by faith. Every time she thought it was over and she began to throw it away, her son said, mommy, don't break up all the rest of it. She would open it back up and there'd still be three Kit Kat bars every time. Every time, it just, every time she thought she was eating the last cookie, she went to go crumble it up. It was, everything was back again. When they had the two fish and five loaves, he told the disciples, he said, what do you have in your hand? They said, look, this little kid over here, man, he got a Big Mac and some Twizzlers. They brought back 12 baskets full. Leftovers are better than the original. Let me tell you that. The seasoning getting in a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? The next day I get up early, but you know what I'm saying? Thanksgiving, it's the next day I get up early and make me a plate. And I eat that for breakfast to the seasoning right. Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm telling you the leftovers that God wants to do for you is greater than what he did the day before. It's the leftovers that God, he says, my cup, what runneth over? Paul says, but you, man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life where you are also called and have professed a good profession before many witnesses. He says, Timothy, I give you this charge in the sight of God. He says, I give you this charge in the sight of God. And this morning we give each other. Because we all claim to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. And nobody's exempted here. I'm not exempt. You ain't exempt. We will encourage each other. If we're not doing it, let's encourage each other to do it. Amen? Let's encourage each other. Because listen, when we start to do what God has asked us to do, I'm telling you right now, the next day, 
The food tastes so much better. That's all I got, y'all. Amen.